Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rhodes. I haven't said it for a long time, so I am a gog to find out what we are going to be talking about today. You can be a gog, and indeed you can be a Google, because Google oh. have a slew, not to say a raft, of new right. products out. Plethora? Including... What? Plethora. Plethora, possibly. A plethora. Yes, indeed, a plethora. A For some reason, tech reviewers prefer rafts and slews to plethoras. I don't know why that okay. is. All right. Uh, Pixel Fold is their first folding phone. Oh. Yes, it's quite exciting, actually, for someone like Google to do a folding phone. It's a regular size of a, of a phone that it opens up to square, mm. which is kind of curious. I don't know how that would help if you're watching video or anything, because I suppose you could have something underneath it at the same time. Um, it's, and it folds right back on itself, so you could have like a double-sided phone mm. if, you, if you want to have one of those. Five times optical zoom camera, which is actually quite good for, uh, for a phone. 12 millimeters thick, which is pretty thick. It's, it's almost twice as thick as, a, as an iPhone, mm. which is really quite chunky when you're sliding that into your pocket, 12 millimeters. And that's, of course, because it's, a, it's two phones sandwiched together. So that could right, yes, I see. Thickness of it. Uh, 256 gigabyte model can be yours in June for £1,749, which frankly is a lot of money for a telephone. Does sound quite a bit, yes. Even if it is two telephones bolted together. Though, as you've pointed out in the past, of course, almost nobody uses them as telephones anymore. No, indeed they don't. We still call them phones because what else should we call them? Pocket I computers, I suppose. Yeah. They've also brought out their Pixel tablet, which is the new version of their, well, their tablet, their their version of the iPad. Hmm. Quite an interesting one. It's an 11-inch device, which includes a magnetic charging speaker dock. So it's a the cylinder, white cylinder, oblate cylinder, with a an angled top that you put the thing on to magnetically. And once mm. you do that, it goes into hub mode, which means you can use it as a digital photo frame or you can use it for showing videos or for smart home control. Quite clever, really. And yes. the fact that it comes with the dock, I think, is a very good thing. 600 quid, bit of a bargain. It's not an iPad, of course, but it's it's edging towards it. There's also a new regular Pixel mid-range phone, but it's so boring, I think I'm going to tell you that it's... <laughs> Okay. 7A. The only and, interesting thing about it is it's £449 or in the States $449. And I think that's the first time we've seen exact parity between the pound and the dollar price. We said the first time. We used to see it quite a lot. Didn't we? Did we used to see it quite a lot? I we suppose we things, did. In the old yes, days, things, yes, things that were, uh, you know, priced $500 would tend to come over here and be 500 quid and everybody would be grumpy, yes. including you, I seem to remember. Including yes, me. And has risen a lot against the dollar recently. It is worth remembering that the price in the UK includes VAT, that's sort mm. of 20% of it. The price quoted in the US does not include sales tax. Oh, right. So it's obviously actually much more than that yes. when you actually buy the thing, depending on which state you buy it in, due to the rather bizarre <laughs> yes. system yes. that they use in the States. Now, would you wonder, with, on with, from Google, with the phone, we're just going to say with the phone, I mean, yes, it's expensive, but at least you can probably expect it not to catch fire. You probably can expect it not, which is a big advantage, actually. Yes, in a phone, yes. especially if you're putting it in your pocket. <laughs> exactly. 
Okay, let's move uh, on. On to Uber. Mm. Uh, Uber have been branching out from taxis. In fact, they you can now book National Express coaches on your Uber app or trains, even a Eurostar. And, of course, they, they branded the Thames Clipper, which is now the Uber Clipper, mm. not the Uber Boat. And as of this year, you will be able to book flights with the Uber app. Ooh. They've partnered with Hopper, which turns out to be an online travel agent, not one that I've actually heard of. And they've partnered with them. And what's interesting about it, not just that you can book the flights, but in line with uh, all sort of standard Uber bookings, you can cancel. And they promise you up to 80%, at least 80% of your mm. money back if you cancel within 24 hours. Well, try and do that with EasyJet or Ryanair and you'll get yes, nowhere. Absolutely. Which yes. is very interesting. But maybe they won't cover, won't include the budget airlines. I don't know. Interesting that they should offer that. I assume that they've done a deal with all the airlines concerned, but um, maybe it's just wishful thinking on Uber's part. Okay. Or maybe well, you'll intriguing. get to the airport and then you'll get a notice saying, looking for the pilot. Pilot couldn't be found. Let's <laughs> pilot in five hours. Yes, yes, yes. And you're going to try and use it? I mean, you fly quite a bit. Well, I will. I'll give it a go. Well, I don't I hold up much hope for it, really. Okay. All right. Fine. We'll try it. Well, uh, as we haven't had one of these yet, why don't we have one now? So onwards. And on, on to Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime, there's a lot of shows that, uh, that we like on Amazon Prime. Mm. Um, you are particularly fond of, um, what was the show that you liked a lot on Amazon Prime? I forget what it was called. I well, like I lots of them. Like Marvellous, Mrs. Yeah. Marvellous Mrs. Maisel, probably. The Marvellous Mrs. Maisel, exactly. But you have to subscribe to Plot Prime to get it. I do. Not anymore, you don't. They oh. are making a hundred of their original shows available for free. Well, for free on Freevee, which is their ad-supported Amazon Prime channel. Which I've used so, occasionally because it has some quite old shows there that I sort of missed hmm. first time round. Yeah. It's effectively Amazon Prime with ads. Um, hmm. And if you don't want to pay, I think it's nearly 100 quid a year at the moment for Amazon Prime. Of course, you do get, as well as some stonking good television, you do, of course, get free delivery on anything you buy from Amazon. So that does, that's really what most people buy it for. Really. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's pretty much, pretty much me. And they tell you roughly when it's going to arrive, usually. Yeah. Yes, yes, they do. Yes. Uh, I'm told by somebody do. actually who uses Amazon for food quite often is that if you get an avocado that isn't ripe or a banana that's overripe, they'll refund you. You try you doing you back. try you doing it back to with, them. Well, I don't think I'm not even sure if you do that. You try doing that with click and collect at Sainsbury's. Like I discovered yesterday, something wasn't included. There is no way of contacting Sainsbury's if you have a problem with their online offering. No uh. way at all. You can sort of shout on Twitter, but it does no good because you get a bot that just keeps saying the same thing again and again and again, driving you completely bananas. Ha, ha, ha. That was uh -huh. but yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I, I pass that on as information for anybody if the case they find it useful. So what now? Well, politicians in the UK are getting very uh, excited about their online safety bill. And the idea is that they're going to force social networks to tackle terrorism and child abuse content. Uh, and if they find anything that slips through the net, mm -hmm. they denounce that they will then find them up to 10% of their global turnover. 
which in the case of someone like Facebook could be well worth suing over. Well, I was going to say, yes, could solve some of the government's financial problems at a stroke. It, it absolutely could. Um, however, this will cause significant problems for messaging apps such as, well, WhatsApp and Signal being the, the two leading ones, hmm. uh, because they use end-to-end -end encryption, which means that the person who sends the message sees it, the person who receives it sees it, no one in between can see it or intercept it. Yeah. And they're saying, look, if you're saying we've got to scan all the messages that are sent through our apps, then people are going to stop using our apps. They then pointed out that only 2% uh, of their users are in the UK. And they're not going to make global changes just for those 2%. So they're saying, if you allow this to go through, this bill as it stands, then we're going to withdraw from the UK market, which will hit a lot of people very badly because WhatsApp in particular is, is extremely popular. Well, yeah, I have to say, my life without WhatsApp would be bereft, really. I mean, it's just used for so much. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How bizarre. Okay. It is bizarre. So we'll we'll wait and see what happens. I imagine that the the bill will be not so much watered down as maybe tightened up to allow things like this to go ahead. But then, if it means people are sharing terrorism tips, your top terrorism tips on WhatsApp, and WhatsApp can't catch them, well, so be it. I suppose it's the equivalent of Royal Mail steaming open your letters, isn't it? Mm. Some things are meant to be private. Yes. Yes. Well, I only won't worry letters. Of course, I mean, I've just been reading some parts of the country. They're now getting deliveries once a fortnight from the Royal Mail. So oh. the, presumably the problem is if they stay in the tea room for too long, they'll just steam open naturally from the kettle. The kettle's boiling. <laughs> they almost certainly will. Right. Time for us to take a break. We'll be back very soon. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. This is Simon Rose in conversation with Steve Kaplan as we talk about the latest gadgets and gizmos. Where have we got to now? Well, we've talked quite a lot about building stuff on the moon, building housing on the moon, even about growing plants on the moon. But the big problem, of course, is finding water on the moon. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out not, according to the University of Central Florida, who have teamed up with, of all people, the Open University, which does rather surprise me. I didn't realise they were a proper university did research and everything. Well, it was just men in rather bad suits and, and, and wild hair gesticulating on television. Yes. Anyway. With white, with white coats. With white coats. With white coats. With white yes, coats. Yes, come on. They're proper, proper profs. Yep. Apparently, there is quite a lot of water between the grains of the regolith. Regolith, of course, being the official term for moon dust. Oh, of sure course. You knew. Of course. I'm sure you knew that. How do you get the water out of the regolith? You bung it in the microwave. That's surprising, isn't it? Well, yeah, I'll check my instructions to make sure it doesn't say you shouldn't put regolith in the microwave. <laughs> you, you better check those. Well, they've done it with simulated regolith because they can't get hold of enough real regolith to try it with. They will eventually. Okay. Yeah. And they say they can extract 90% of the water in just 35 minutes. Now, <laughs> 35 minutes in the microwave <laughs> is quite a long time. Yes, yes. There are not many things I put in for that long. I'd be slightly no, disconcerted. No. Even if it's a, a solar-powered microwave, which I imagine it could be on the moon, it's not going to last that long. And there's going to be an endless stream of 
Amazon rockets going backwards and forwards to look <laughs> yes. the new microwaves. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And taking back the other ones. Um, they say 90% of the water can be extracted after 35 minutes, but how much water is there? Not very much. Right. But some. En- enough for the astronauts to, get to be able to drink if they put enough of it in and wait long enough. Well, well I say yes. Per <laughs> teaspoon. Get a, a tiny si- sip after 35 minutes. Yes. Mm. Okay. It's some sort of proof of I'm concept, sure they've thought it through. I'm, I'm sure, sure they've thought it through. Okay. Onwards. Well, now then, you like rock music. Or rather, you don't like rock music. I know you don't like rock music, but you might like this rock I like music. some rock music. Oh, is that... This. Okay. That was your cue. Do feel free to fade it out when you start getting bored. Well, I think I've probably gone past that point now, but it stopped. <laughs> well, that is the sound of seismic activity in Yellowstone National Park. That kind of... Come on. It is. Well, they've, there's a, a yeah. Dr. Domenico Vicinanza from Anglia Ruskin University has mm-hmm. assembled this by taking the seismographs and turning it into music by just you know, measuring when the uh, when the graph goes up and down. Anyway, there's going to be a big conference in Atlanta <laughs> right. at which yeah. the uh, the sound of Yellowstone seismic activity will be performed live on a flute by Dr. Alyssa Schwartz, who is the visiting assistant professor of flute and musicology at Fairmont University. But surely you no. can turn almost any yes, graph or plotting of anything into into music if you just yes, simply allocate notes to certain things. Yes. What strikes me there in that rather extended bit that we just listened to mm. is it's a very difficult thing to play on the flute because there are no rests. I don't know how long she is going to carry on just playing note after random note like this and perform without having to breathe unless she has do the didgeridoo i suppose because then you can you can inhale as you're blowing out if you've learned how to do it yes well i wonder whether didgeridoo players can play the play the flute and use the same system i don't know it'd be good wouldn't it and yeah. they could certainly get one of those in and they could do it for until they fall asleep yes with no yes. breaks which may not be very long <laughs> well indeed <laughs> yes it's quite okay. soothing in its way it is. It sounds like an electronic harp. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, effectively, it was an electronic harp. Then it wasn't the flute. The flute has not yet been played. If I can get a recording of it, then I will play it next time. <laughs> okay. <I'll probably laughs> including, including the collapse of Dr. Alyssa Schwartz as she runs out of breath. <laughs> exactly. <Yes. laughs> Indeed. Okay. Onwards. Well, AI cameras. We've seen cameras on motorways catching people speeding. We've seen cameras hidden in bushes. Capturing people speeding, I know, because I've been caught by at least one of those cameras. A camera in a bush. bush. Yes. I didn't know that. It must be very irritating. Well, I thought they had to East actually Hampshire. make them visible now. Hence the changing well, them from yes, grey to yellow. To bright yellow, yes, but if the bush grows in front of them... I mean, certainly I was caught by a camera that I hadn't seen, and I do look out for these things. I have... Well, can't can't, you, yellow can't you argue that the, the wind moving the branches of the bush distorted the um, uh, the actions of the camera and made it unreliable? I probably could have done that. Instead, I did a speed, speed awareness course. 
Oh, my goodness. Oh, I'm sure that was very exciting. That's not the word I would choose. <laughs> right. So what, so, uh, what did you, what did you learn as a matter of interest? Going oh. going fast is not, not good. Was there yes, like going fast is bad, and going slowly is good. That's okay. mainly what I learned. It took me three hours. How many hours? hours three that. hours. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. yes. I could have told you that for nothing. Yes, indeed. Okay. <laughs> I don't think the Metropolitan <laughs> Police would have agreed. Okay. Anyway, in East Hampshire, they are installing cameras, not just any old cameras, but AI cameras. And Ooh. not on motorways, but in laybys. And the idea is that they're going to detect littering. And if they see a car littering, then they will send pictures to the control room who will review the images and then slap a £100 fine on the owner of that car. I don't know how you detect littering, because there are so many different ways you can litter. You can throw things out of the window. Mm. But what if you throw out of the window is an apple core rather than, say, an empty package of crisps? Well, throwing an apple core surely isn't littering, because it just buys Except the they were probably counted as littering. But yes, but I would have said... I would, have, yes. I would have said that that's perfectly all right. I'm in the countryside. Apart from anything else, you're helping to fertilise it. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Or talking of fertilising, of course, you get out and you manually fertilise it into the bushes. <laughs> well, that's true. well, that doesn't count. Does like that count fertilizer? as littering? I don't think that counts as it. Does it? I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, certainly we'll littering is a massive problem. One, I would like to see it cleared up. But I can't help feeling this is yet another way in which they're going to get money from poor unsuspecting It members. is yet another way in which they're going to get money, yes. Yeah. And while we're zooming down the roads, zipping past the laybys, time to talk about the world's fastest wheelie bin. Oh, now, okay. You may remember on this program, back in uh, 2001, we talked about Kevin Nix. No, we talked, we talked about Andy Jennings. 2001? 2021. Oh, 2021. Right, okay. I missed a 20 out. Okay. Easily done. Uh, the 2001 plus VAT, that's about 2021. Mm. Uh, Andy Jennings from Swindon, who produced a wheelie bin that could go at 45 miles an hour. Well, Kevin Nix from Chipping Norton has produced his own wheelie bin that goes at only 15 miles an hour, but it is road legal because <laughs> it's effectively a converted mobility scooter. Good grief. Kevin Nix, as it turns out, has something of a passion for creating the world's fastest unlikely devices. He mm. is the inventor of not only the world's fastest wheelbarrow, which is self-propelled wheelbarrow, miles an hour. Self-propelled wheelbarrow. wheelbarrow. Good grief! I don't think I'd want to be in that. Fifty-three miles an hour. Miles in a an wheelbarrow. Hour. But he's also the world's fastest shed. <laughs> well, presumably, can... he doesn't have to go very fast to be the fastest shed. It has done a top speed of 114 miles an hour. Oh, come on. And it is not just a gadget. He is, claims to have driven this shed 80,000 miles. Now, if I were on the road and I saw a shed going <laughs> past me at 114 miles an hour, I would pull over into the nearest lay-by and yes. get yourself breathalyzed. Copiously yes. with the contents of my stomach. <laughs> yes. yes. I agree. How utterly bizarre. It is quite bizarre, isn't it? Yes. Well, we only have dustbins around here. I haven't seen any dustbins going up and down the road. No. Well, you couldn't ride a dustbin very easily, could you? No. A wheelie bin. Very impressive. Yeah. I just hope it's his own, because otherwise the council will probably fine him for taking away one of the wheelie bins. They almost, almost certainly would. <laughs> Can you? I don't know if you have your own wheelie bin. Can you buy wheelie bins? I don't think you get it from the council. He must. Well, I'm sure there must, be a, there must be a supplier to the council. Perhaps they'd sell you one. I don't know. 
Why, are you yeah, keen on getting another one? No, <laughs> I have two, <laughs> which you... is as many as I need. It, it'll be road legal. <laughs> but having said that, it probably hasn't got a number plate on. So next time you go past a bush in which is hidden a speeding camera, you'll be all right. Ah, yes, exactly. There we are. Finally, Perfect. a way to beat them. Yes, doing my 15 miles an hour down the, down the road. Yeah. Mm, yes. Anyway, let's get on to beer, which is a much better subject oh, yeah, altogether. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not a big fan of canned beer. Although canned Guinness actually is quite good because it has the widget in it that gives you the nice head. Mm. And that head is apparently absolutely key, according to some Japanese researchers who say that, well, the head on beer locks in the mm. aroma and the flavor and the fizz or carbonation, as they like to call it. Mm. And the optimum amount of head is a ratio of seven to three beer to foam, apparently. How do you get that? when you're pouring from a can. Well, the, the, it turns out that if you pour in a thin stream, you get a decent head. And if you pour in a big stream, you don't get much head at all. So they have invented the world's first dual ring pull beer can. The right. first <laughs> ring opens the aperture a little way. Mm -hmm. And when you've poured out your 30% of head, you then pull the second ring pull that opens it all the way and then you get the rest of the beer that slides under the head right. and the head does its job so of in other words exactly like the old cans you used to get for going to parties where you had to actually um do two openings in order to get the air into the can to let the beer out you're talking about the the party seven the double yeah. diamond party yes. seven was it double well i'm not sure double diamond I, we not double diamond no no there were other Better beers available, yes. Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, no, in fact, not like that, because these two ring pulls both operate on the same aperture. So oh. if you want to do it, all you have to do is to open the first ring pull not very far, and then yes. open the same ring pull all the way. You don't really need two ring pulls at all. Well, seems, okay, that seems it's utterly bizarre. bizarre. Yes. I don't like much of a head on my decent beer anyway, frankly. Yes. Well, let's, if you don't like your head on the beer, how about your head on your printer? That's the worst segue <laughs> I could imagine. Yeah, terrible. We have talked uh, on this show before about how just as razor blade manufacturers make very cheap razors and then very expensive mm. blades, yes. so printer manufacturers make very cheap printers and then very expensive toner. Mm. And, of course, you can buy third-party toner cartridges for about a third the price of the of the official mm. ones, mm. and they work perfectly well. Or do they? Well, it appears not. HP have recently been updating the firmware in their printers so that it rejects non-HP cartridges. It actually refuses to print. Mm. It also rejects HP cartridges that it says are out of date. What? I don't know why. Exactly. Exactly. That's appalling. I don't understand that at all. It is pathetic. Dynamic security, they call it. And it's surprising they should carry on doing this because they recently settled out of court for 1.35 million euros in four European countries for mm. people complaining that they were that HP had made their legally bought cartridges useless. But they're still carrying on doing it. And how out of so, date do they have to be? I mean, it well, makes I don't know. sense to buy a few in advance, surely. Well, exactly. That's what I would do. That's what I do do. Yes. Anyway, 
I don't I don't use an HP printer anymore, so I'm okay. Finally, the news mm. that Ryanair has just ordered forty billion dollars worth of jet. The three hundred Boeing seven three seven Maxes mm. they have ordered from from Boeing delivery. 2027 to 2033, so they were 10 years away before they get the final one, mm. which is a lot slower than Amazon could deliver them, but I don't know how <laughs> Amazon would manage to deliver 300 Boeing jets. I imagine the delivery well, they'd have to would use, be quite annoying. Have to, yes, yeah. Especially if you were problems. out when you brought them around. Yeah. Steve, that's all we've got time for, sadly. Thank you very much indeed. That's Steve Kaplan. We'll be back with more Gadget and Gizmos at the same time next week. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's Gadgets and Gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.